If you have your uh, Bible with you this morning, if you'd like to turn with me to Matthew's Gospel. And to Matthew uh, chapter 9. And we're going to read uh, into a verse, or on to, to, chapter, to chapter 10. So Matthew uh, chapter 9, uh, and reading together from verse 35. <clears throat> Matthew 9 and 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. So reads the word of God. We're familiar uh, today uh, with the concept of the, the trailer in terms of film or, or, or cinema, and that's those kind of short uh, extracts that preview uh, the full movie or preview uh, the full program. It gives the viewer a, a flavor of what to expect. It's produced in such a way that it whets our appetite uh, to see uh, the full program or the full movie. When we turn uh, this morning uh, to Matthew's Gospel in chapters 8 and 9, we see that 8 and 9 give us this uh, account of Jesus' amazing ministry around Galilee. And we see a leper healed, 
A paralyzed man and a sick woman healed. A storm is stilled. Demons are cast out. A man is forgiven. The blind are healed. And even the dead are raised. Uh, And Matthew gives us a summary of Jesus' ministry in chapter 9 and verse 35. That Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So here in these chapters we have the coming of the kingdom of God. And yet as Jesus comments in chapter 9 and verses 36 and 37 make clear, what we see in these incidents is only a preview of the kingdom. It's only the trailer for the main feature. For we see in verse 36 as Jesus looks out upon the crowds, he is deeply moved, saying that they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Indeed, he sees that there is a great harvest that is ripe for the kingdom. But he acknowledges that there are too few workers for this great harvest to to gather it in. And so he commands his disciples with what has been termed the other Lord's Prayer in verse 38 to ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And these verses, chapter 9, verses 35 through to 38, then provide a bridge for us into chapter 10, where Jesus then teaches his disciples about proclaiming the kingdom of God in the world. And here Jesus teaches his disciples about the the realities of what will occur as they proclaim his kingdom. Indeed, how they will often find rejection, opposition, and their message will create conflict and division. And what prompts Jesus to teach in this subject is, as we shall see, that he's about to send the twelve out upon a mission. And just as chapters 8 and 9 provide a preview of the kingdom, a, a trailer for the main feature, so this teaching provides a trailer for us, a preview of the Great Commission that will follow at the end of Matthew's Gospel. And so for a few moments this morning, I want to turn your attention to uh, Jesus' teaching here in chapter 10 and to consider what we can learn from this preview of the Great Commission. Well, the first thing that we see uh, in verses 1 through to 8 is the commissioning of the twelve. The commissioning of the twelve. We read, He called His twelve disciples to Him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, to heal every sickness and disease. That, of course, adds the names of the twelve disciples. And we instantly see a number of things about the commission that they are given. They are commissioned with Jesus' authority. They carry on Jesus' own ministry through displaying the miraculous signs that the, the kingdom of heaven has arrived. We see they're designated apostles. They're those who are specifically commissioned by Jesus as heralds of the kingdom. We also hear restrictions on their commission. Jesus sends the twelve out with the instruction, verses 5 and 6, Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. At this stage they are sent only to preach to Israel, not to the Samaritans, not to the Gentiles. And we then hear the message with which Jesus commissions them, verse 7. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. 
For this Jesus doesn't mean that the kingdom of heaven is drawing near, but that it has arrived, it is at hand, because it has arrived in his person. And this is something that they will demonstrate as they heal the sick, as they raise the dead, and cleanse those who have leprosy and drive out demons. In other words, they will carry on his ministry, just as we see it summarized in chapter 9 and verse 35. And as we look at this commission of the twelve, we do see, as I've already hinted, that there are certain things that are unique to their ministry. They alone are apostles. These twelve are designated apostles. We see the commission that they are given to heal and drive out demons is unique. It's a particular commission they are given. The message they are given is unique. It's not the gospel. It's not yet the message of the death and the resurrection of Jesus but the announcement of the arrival of the kingdom. And the scope of their message is unique. It is to Israel only. This commission to go into all the world is not yet expanded until we read of the great commission at the end of Matthew's gospel. And so whilst Jesus commissions the apostles and gives them a mission, this is not yet the great commission. It is a preview. It's a trailer. But it does, I think, anticipate the Great Commission in two important ways. First of all, it shows us that the mission of the church is carried out by the authority of Jesus. This is fundamental to the basis of the mission of the church. We act on the authority of Jesus whenever we carry out his mission. We come to the Great Commission, we see the same thing. Matthew 28, then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And this idea of the mission of Jesus being carried out with his authority is important for many reasons. It's important in the first instance because it defines us. And it defines the task that Jesus has given to us. This morning, as those who are disciples of Jesus, those who are followers of Jesus, we too are under His authority. And the key question in our lives as followers of Jesus is to ask, what does Jesus want us to do? We're under His authority. He is Lord. That is what we confess. What does He want us to do? What does He want me to do? In any relationship where we're under authority. This is the, the key question. What am I required to do? If a soldier is under the authority of his commanding officer, this is the key question. What does he require me to do? If you're under the teacher's authority in school, it's the key question. What does she require me to do? In work, if you're under the boss's authority, what does he require you to do? I recall in an earlier job, my boss saying to a new girl in the team, you need to do X, Y, and Z. She said, I'm not doing that. He said, there's your coat. Take it and leave. That's how it works. If we're under authority, we do what's required of us. And under the authority of Jesus is exactly that same question. What does he require of me? This is a critical question for us as the followers of Jesus and as a church. 
We live under the authority of Jesus. We carry on our mission, whether it's to the ends of the streets or to the ends of the earth, under the authority of Jesus. So what does he require of us? That brings us, I think, to the second thing that we should notice here. That is that he sends us out as heralds. That's what Jesus is doing here. He sends out the twelve as heralds. Originally, the idea of an apostle was someone who was sent with the king's authority to speak on his behalf. And here Jesus sends out these twelve men with authority as his heralds to proclaim his message. And that's exactly what Jesus continues to do with his people today. He sends us all out as heralds of his kingdom. That is our commission in the world today as Christians, as the church of Jesus Christ. To go out under his authority and to proclaim his message. We live, as you know, in a very anti-authoritarian age. And when anyone tries to say anything with authority, it's of course challenged, isn't it? People are told, well, that's just your opinion. Sometimes as Christians, if we're honest, that can make us a bit sheepish. After all, we think to ourselves, well, we have our ideas, other people have have their ideas, and really, who are we to say? But that's not what Jesus teaches us. Instead, he gives us the authority to go in his name and to proclaim his message. That's something I think that we need to recover today. That as followers of Jesus, we are men and women under authority. We've been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ as his heralds to proclaim his message. Much of our gospel proclamation today remains weak and ineffective. Because perhaps we've lost that sense of conviction. That we are those commissioned by Christ as his heralds. said all too often... We are those who don't want to offend. We're those who who don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And certainly we don't want our own feelings hurt. And where that sense of conviction has disappeared from our lives, we need to pray that the Lord Jesus Christ would restore that sense of conviction to us. That we would recover that conviction that when we speak, we're speaking with Jesus' authority so that others will hear and come under conviction through that authoritative proclamation. When we preach the message of Jesus, we're not really talking about our opinions. We're not just speaking about some experience that we have had or what we believe. We're not even just proclaiming the Christian message. We have been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ, the sovereign of the universe, to act as heralds of his message the very ends of the earth. Secondly, we see from this passage in verses 9 through to 11 how the twelve are to prepare. Jesus says, Do not take along any silver or gold or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. Now, Jesus' words are not to be taken literally by every single Christian, and you may sigh 
sigh of relief uh, this morning whenever you, you read that. His instructions are specific to this mission. But that doesn't mean that we kind of sit back and relax and go, well, at least he's not talking about me. Uh, instead, we must realize that his teaching for each one of us is important this morning. And it's important about our role as heralds in the world. Again, let's notice two things. First of all, we cannot miss the fact that Jesus tells his disciples to travel light. Probably most of us have packed more this morning to travel 10 minutes up the road uh, than these men were allowed to travel, particularly if you have a, a baby and you feel you're moving house every time you go out. Well, Jesus doesn't permit his disciples to take much with them. Why does he do this? Well, it's more than teaching them a simple lifestyle. This isn't the, the green gospel. This isn't telling them they must learn to be eco-friendly and recycle. Rather, Jesus' words speak to the disciples of the urgency of the task. He's saying, don't worry about packing for the journey. Get on with the job. Jesus realizes that for his disciples, there can be a lot of what about her? What about money? What about clothes? What about all the things we'll need for the journey? And this can lead to a kind of, of paralysis where people are always preparing but never doing. And this, of course, can be true in our own lives where our willingness to serve God can be derailed, can't it, by our own procrastination. We keep putting things off and off and off until we have all our, our ducks in a row. But Jesus tells us that this can reflect our priorities. Where we can be more concerned about looking after ourselves than getting on with the urgent task that is in hand. For some people, before they want to embark on any kind of Christian work, they want all kinds of other things sorted out in their lives. Need to get the house sorted out. Need to get my, my finances sorted out. Need to get the family sorted out and so on. And yet the reality is that if we wait until everything is sorted out, if we wait until everything is in order, well, it'll never be just right, will it? It will never just be the right situation. Perhaps that's the case with you this morning. Perhaps you have that sense this morning that God is calling you into His work. But you keep putting it off. Keep putting it off until everything is in order. Keep putting it off until the, well, the time's not just right. Well, Jesus tells us here that you will only step forward in obedience to His call if answering His call is the absolute priority in your life. Secondly, as Jesus sends the twelve out, He reminds them of God's provision for them. He tells them the worker is worth his keep. In other words, although they're sent out to travel light, Yes, he recognizes they still need to be provided for. There's those who are workers for God's kingdom, he will provide for them. Jesus sees that this provision will primarily be carried out by those amongst whom they minister. Verse 11, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person and stay at his house until you leave. In other words, as they share with others the good news of the kingdom. So they will receive support. They will receive their share of the material goods they need. 
That's a principle that the Apostle Paul espouses several times. That those who share their spiritual wealth through ministry should expect material support from those to whom they minister. And this remains important in the church's mission in the world, that we should support those set apart by the church to, to minister the gospel. The person who provides that support is described here by Jesus as a worthy person. In other words, this is a good thing to do. And it challenges us in considering our role in supporting the work of the gospel. And this includes our support for those who are involved in training for gospel ministry. When the modern Baptist movement first emerged in the 17th century, there were two separate Baptist movements. Of course there were. There were Baptists. These were the general Baptists and the particular Baptists. And over the course of the next century or so, the general Baptists fell into doctrinal error and they all but died out. The particular Baptists had their problems, but by and large they grew and flourished. One of the reasons for their stability and growth was that unlike the general Baptists, the particular Baptists invested heavily in training their pastors. They invested heavily in training their pastors. This morning, if we want our churches to flourish, if we want God's work to flourish, if we want Christ's kingdom to advance, then we must invest in training the next generation of preachers and teachers and pastors and evangelists and missionaries. This investment of our wealth in the kingdom of God is a matter that requires spiritual wisdom and the mind of Christ on our part. And it requires obedience. It requires obedience. As followers of Jesus this morning, we each have our part to play. We each have our part to play. Someone has put it in very stark terms saying, either you're sent or you're sending or you're a sinner. What part are you playing this morning? Thirdly and finally, what the twelve are to expect in verses 12 through to 15. Jesus says, as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest in it. The greeting of peace or shalom was common, uh, a common Jewish greeting. And here Jesus tells the disciples that when they bring this greeting and it's received by, by those who are deserving, those who receive the gospel well, then their peace will rest on that household. Again, let me briefly draw two lessons. The first again is the, this message of the urgency of the task. Having, been, having spoken of being well received instantly, Jesus reminds them they will not be universally well received. Verses 13 and 14, if it is not well received, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or time. The shaking of the dust from one's feet, a, a dramatic gesture of repudiation. Look, I don't even want your dust. Again, Jesus' message here is in one sense restricted to this particular commission. The reason he gives this instruction is again to impress upon his disciples the urgency of the task. If people repudiate them and their message, then they must move on quickly. So that all the lost sheep of Israel hear the message. This morning we too need to hear that message of urgency. Here in the local church and as individuals, it is important that we labor for the gospel amongst the people with whom God has placed us. 
That's our task. Not to shake the dust of our feet and move on, but to labor in the vineyard that God has given to us. But this morning, let's not lose sight of the fact that church going has dropped dramatically in the last 20 years in both the north and the south of Ireland. At the same time, the numbers of those identifying themselves as having no religion has jumped dramatically. We are surrounded today in our society by people who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. We also live in a world where there's an urgent need for the gospel to be proclaimed. It's estimated there are almost 17,000 people groups in our world today. Over 7,000 of those people groups are unreached by the gospel. That's more than 40% of the world's population have never heard the gospel. And as things stand, they will never have an opportunity to hear it. Let us not lose sight this morning of the urgency of the task. At IBC, we seek to keep this need before us. Our goal is not to build a college. When we pray for students to come, it's not so that we can keep the college open. But we want to prepare men and women for ministry. Those who will go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus, the only way of salvation to a world that is in need. Secondly, we see the reality of judgment. The real problem is not rejecting the messengers, but rejecting the message. Verse 15, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that time. The rejection of the message is the real problem. Those who reject the message will one day have to face Jesus Christ as their judge. And they will have to give to him an account of why they've rejected the good news of the kingdom. He says they've done something that not even Sodom and Gomorrah, whose names are synonymous with God's judgment, have done. They've rejected the offer of God's mercy. And Jesus confronts us with one of the most sobering messages in the entire Bible of how terrible it will be for those who reject his message on the day of judgment. Now, I must admit that I find these words of Jesus some of the most sobering in the entire Bible. We sometimes struggle with the issue of those who will face judgment having never heard the gospel. But to be honest, as a preacher, I'm often troubled by the issue of those facing judgment who have heard the gospel and then rejected it. Jesus tells us several times in the gospels how terrible that will be. How terrible that will be. If this describes you this morning that you know the gospel, you've heard the offer of God's mercy and forgiveness through His Son, perhaps even in the very Sunday school here in the Connie, You've heard that message and rejected it. Then this morning, let me, let me plead with you to carefully listen to Jesus' words here. Listen carefully to his warning that it will be a terrible thing to one day come face to face with Jesus as your judge. And I have to say to him, I rejected you. I rejected you. For sadly, he tells us on that day he will reject you. This morning, let me urge you to consider again what God is saying to you in His Son. 
Yes, he's telling you that you are a sinner and you're a rebel. Yes, he's reminding you that you have rejected him, and yet he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die upon the cross of Calvary, and there to bear your sin, and in his own body bear the punishment for your sins. So that on that day when you face Jesus as judge, you may receive his pardon and acceptance into his kingdom, that you will dwell with him in joy forevermore. This morning, if you hear God's voice, that voice that is familiar to you, a voice known since childhood, don't harden your heart against him. Recognize the warning of Jesus' message. This passage, as I say, is a trailer. It offers us a preview of the Great Commission. That as those who live under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are sent into all the world now to preach the gospel. It's estimated that there are more Christians in our world today than there have been in the previous 2,000 years of history combined. But there is still a vast need in our world today. A vast need in the world at large. A vast need in our own communities. And it is a matter of urgency. And that should be the focus of our praying, of our giving, and of our going. May God bless his word to our hearts this morning.